Hey, it's KJ with Living Christian, and welcome to the Bible Reading and Coffee Drinking Podcast. If this is your first time here, what we do on this podcast is read a chapter of the Bible, drink a little bit of coffee, and talk a whole lot about Jesus along the way. Each episode dives into Scripture and discusses it in a somewhat modern and relatable way. I'll also be answering some questions from my social media followers. They'll submit a question if you'd like me to answer it. Oh, and we'll drink coffee along the way as well. Although our main focus is reading the Bible and drinking some coffee, we will also occasionally be doing some interviews, some random other messages along the way, so be sure to check back often. If you feel the urge to support the podcast, you can do so right here on the podcast page. If this podcast helps you grow in your faith, maybe consider sending it to a friend or uh, maybe dropping a rating or review. It certainly helps us get the word out. And also, make sure you check out livingchristian.org for Bible verse lists, Christian blog, an apparel store with a bunch of Christian t-shirts, hoodies, hats, and more. It's awesome. All at livingchristian.org. And if you're there, make sure you use the code PODCAST20. That's a special code for 20% off our entire store, only for our podcast listeners. So PODCAST20. Use that when you're on livingchristian.org. Now, let's get to the episode. Morning, everybody. Uh, we'll get started here in a minute in Galatians uh, 2. So welcome to Bible Reading Coffee Drinking. This is a Monday morning edition. Uh, it is September the 19th. Uh, hopefully you guys uh, wake and joining me on Galatians 2. This is the second chapter of our Galatians study where, as you, if you join us on Friday, we're going to do all six chapters of Galatians, starting with Galatians 1, and we're going to kick off Galatians 2. So get your Bible ready to go and follow along with me. Raise your hand when you're ready to go in the comments and let me know. If you're ready to go. So if you miss any part of this uh, Instagram Live, we archive it on our podcast as well as on YouTube. So check out the Bible Reading and Coffee Drinking Podcast everywhere you find your podcasts. Apple, Spotify, they're all over the place. And check it out on there. Or check it out YouTube. Just uh, search Living Christian. You can find it on there as well. Or Bible Reading and Coffee Drinking. Uh, finally, I mean, if you want to know what we're going on or trying to find the podcast, trying to find the YouTubes, trying to find the store, trying to find anything, check out livingchristian.org. Is where uh, I have everything. Uh, so I've uh, put a bunch of Bible verse lists and and reading plans and and a whole store with hoodies and apparel and all sorts of goodies on there on livingchristian.org. So check it out over there. So uh, like I said, if, if you're listening to this in the podcast, uh, you can always join us on Mondays and Fridays on live on Instagram Live on Bible reading and coffee drinking. So put your location in the comments for those who are on Instagram right now. I'd love to see where you guys are located. I'm outside of Austin, Texas. For those who know, I've got my coffee. In my uh, handy dandy Jurassic Park mug for those watching this. It's so good. I think it's a fall blend of some sort. I like to tell you guys what coffee I'm drinking every day. I don't even know this time. I think it's like a fall blend, HEB fall blend. I don't even know. It's not caribou coffee. I've got the t shirt on right now for caribou coffee. Uh, it's not sponsored. I just got a t shirt uh, back when I was living in Colorado, I think. Uh, we drank caribou coffee up there. Uh, I think it's out of Minneapolis. I don't know. So for caribou coffee. Welcome for the uh, you're welcome for the plug there. <clears throat> Anyways, uh, thanks for joining me, uh, Portland, Maine, up in Canada. We got one in England. God bless the Queen. Uh, Winston Salem, San Antonio, Texas, not too far from me, about an hour and a half. Nebraska, Little Rock. So, uh, if, if this is your first time joining us, what we do here is we read a chapter of the Bible. We go through it. Uh, I'll chime in occasionally, and then we'll take some questions on the end. So along the bottom of your screen there, you'll see the little question mark. Make sure you put a question there, and I'll try to hit a few of them at the end of our, our little session here. Uh, and there's also a badge button down there. I think it looks like a heart. I don't see it on my screen, but uh, if you feel the need to donate to the ministry, you can do that right there on the badge. We usually have a few people do that every session, so I appreciate that for sure. Or you can just go buy some apparel and support the ministry that way on livingchristian.org. So what's up, Australia? You may be the farthest one. Australia and New Zealand is usually the farthest uh, people that join on these lives. Pretty awesome. 
Highland, California, India. It's a pretty good ways for me. Amsterdam, very nice. Uh, Italy, love Italy. Oof, one of my favorite places in the world. Fresco, India, another India. So, all right, good, cool. Thanks for joining me. Let's hit Galatians two. I'm gonna get a sip of coffee. <clears throat> Excuse me, and we're gonna dive into Galatians two. If you joined us on Friday, uh, we did Galatians one. So this is a letter from Paul. Uh, to the church in Galatia, and the first part, chapter 1, was really kind of diving into uh, Paul making sure that that church wasn't getting off base, right? So they were getting a little sideways, maybe getting back in a little bit of the legalistic uh, Jewish laws of the time. you got to think about what time of, of uh, history this was. It's very challenging for them to accept Jesus as the Messiah and how he saved them from with his grace, as opposed to trying to work their way into heaven or a abide by the law. So they had a hard time kind of staying focused on that. So he was reminding them the message is from Christ. Paul's word is from Christ. Believe Jesus and believe the fact that he was resurrected and went to heaven and he saved us from our sins. So that was the kind of predominantly summary of what Galatians was 1 was all about. So we're moving into Galatians 2, which uh, he kind of talks about the apostles a little bit. He confronts Peter, uh, which is interesting. Uh, and he kind of sums up a little bit at the end. So let's hit Galatians 2. For those following me with your Bibles, hope you guys are ready to go. Uh, and then we'll knock out Galatians 2. It's a pretty short chapter, so it shouldn't take very long. <clears throat> all the knowledge of Galatians is pretty short. So, All right, let's talk about uh, Paul and uh, the apostles. Uh, this is Paul writing this, as I mentioned before. Then 14 years later, I went back to Jerusalem again, this time with Barnabas and Titus, that were his two two guys, his two sidekicks, so to speak, his two, his two students, uh, came along too. I went there because God revealed to me that I should go. While I was there, I met privately with those who considered to be the leaders of the church and shared with them the message I had been preaching to the Gentiles. I wanted to make sure that we were all in agreement for fear that my efforts had been wasted and I was running the race for nothing. And they supported me and did not even demand that my companion Titus be circumcised even though he is with Gentiles. So you have to think, Paul is going out and writing these letters and had already gone out to these churches, right? And Colossians and, and, and uh, Philippians and Ephesians and Ephesus, and I'm reading the books, but all, all these, um, these churches that were set up that he was writing these letters to, and this was Galatia. And predominantly these were, we'll call them Gentile churches, right? So he is out there preaching about Jesus to the people who didn't know Jesus and were outside of the Jewish world a little bit, all right? That was predominantly who he was talking about. So he was relieved to know that, you know, he was making sure he was going back to Jerusalem to talk to the apostles and go, hey, I'm not off base here, right? I'm doing things correct. I'm doing thing, things as Jesus and God has instructed me, and I just want to make sure I'm clear on that. So uh, he was happy to hear that <clears throat> they— um, you know, they accepted Titus, even though he was not a circumcised Jew. It was a big thing at the time, all right? Uh, verse 4, even though even that question came up only because of some so-called believers there, false ones really, who were secretly bought in. They sneaked in to spy on us and take away the freedom we have in Jesus Christ. They wanted to enslave us and force us to follow their Jewish regulations, but we refused to give in to them for a single moment. We wanted to preserve the truth of the gospel message for you. He's he's kind of as Paul likes to do. He likes to call people out. He's going to call out Paul or in a minute or Peter in a minute. Excuse me. 
Uh, he'll, he'll call them out. So he admitted that he knew that there were some Jewish spies in the churches or in the Jerusalem trying to pull people away from this new uh, religion, so to speak. All right. Verse 6, And the leaders of the church had nothing to add to what I was preaching. By the way, the reputation as great leaders made no difference to me, for God had no favorites. So he, he will admit that he is, his allegiance is to God and God alone, not even to the apostles or to the Christian leaders of the time. His focus is God. Verse 7, Instead, they saw that God had given me the responsibility of preaching the gospel to the Gentiles, just like he had given Peter the responsibility of preaching to the Jews. For the same God who worked through Peter as the apostle to the Jews also worked through me as the apostle to the Gentiles. In fact, James, Peter, and John, these are apostles, who were known as pillars of the church, recognized the gift God had given me, and they accepted Barnabas and me as their co-workers. They encouraged us to keep preaching to the Gentiles while they continued their work with the Jews. Their only suggestion was that we keep on helping the poor, which is always which I've always been eager to do. Okay, so a couple things here as we kind of unpack the first part of Galatians 2. Let me have a sip of coffee. You got to think about what happened in, in the, the book of Acts and as the church started spreading across the land, right? So we're outside the Judea area. We're outside in, in, in you know, different Asia and, and all these ever different places that were spreading out. <laughs> So the, the, the apostles at the time, as you mentioned, James, brother of Christ, uh, Peter and John, were kind of preaching to the Jews and trying to convert them over to Christianity or convert them over to understand that Jesus was the actual Messiah prophesied in the Scriptures, in the Old Testament. And, and Paul was going out to preach to the Gentiles. Paul, Barnabas, and, and Titus, and others were out there preaching to the Gentiles. And their only suggestion was like, hey, you're doing a great job. But make sure you keep on helping the poor, which and Paul mentions that he's always been eager to do. I think that's something that we forget at times. Maybe forget's the wrong word. Something our churches and, and us as Christians uh, don't focus on enough is helping our fellow man, for whatever that means. I think we get into the political realm and, and what the government's responsibility is. or what. But what we need to focus on is what our responsibility is. And us as a gathered church, right, the body of Christ, not necessarily the building, <clears throat> but all of us believers need to make sure we help our fellow man. And Jesus references many times in the New Testament, Paul's talking about right here, is uh, keep on helping the poor. So if you knew, if you know anybody in need, whether it's financially or spiritually poor, okay, I'll, I'll lump that in too. Uh, make sure you're, you're doing everything you can to help them know Christ better and, and to kind of get back on their feet, both physically, mentally, and spiritually, probably the most important. All right, let's pivot over to uh, verse 11. Paul confronts Peter, which is an interesting part. Excuse me, but when, Paul, uh, when Peter came to Antioch, so Antioch is, you'll learn throughout the New Testament, we have all these churches set up, right? Galatia, um, uh, Ephesian and, and, and the Philippines and Colossians and Colossia church. And so they, all of them are kind of learning how to be um, Christ-focused churches. And Antioch was the one that ended up being the one that never deviated away from that. You'll learn in, in further chapters here. Uh, I had to oppose him to his face for what he had did was very wrong. When he arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers who were not circumcised. But afterwards... When some friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with them, with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. 
As a result, other Jewish believers followed Peter's hypocrisy, and even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. When I saw that uh, they were not following the true truth of the gospel message, I said to Peter in front of all the others, Since you, a Jew by birth, have discarded the Jewish laws and are living like a Gentile, why are you now, now trying to make these Gentile followers of Jewish traditions? You and I are Jews by birth, not sinners like the Gentiles. Yet you know that a person is made right with God in faith by Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. And we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right by God because of our faith in Christ, not because we have obeyed the law, for no one will ever be made right by, uh, with God by obeying the law. So, okay, Paul's calling out Peter right there. Peter's there when nobody's looking. He's eating with the Gentiles and doing what he's supposed to because he is he is a converted Jew into Christianity, right? doesn't matter whether you're circumcised or not. doesn't matter whether you're Jewish or not. You're all following Christ now. So he did the right thing by eating with them and just being with them together. But when James showed up, when the other Jewish apostle showed up, oh, he, he, can't, he can't, you know, be seen with the Gentiles. So, you know, Paul is not afraid to call anybody out. You got to think about what his life was like before. Uh, so he's not afraid to even call Peter out, right? And this is part of, I think, in my mind, how we all need to hold each other accountable, right? We all falter at times. This is showing, this is an example that even Peter, right, can falter. Even Peter can kind of uh, get distracted a little bit by what's happening around him. And I think we do every day. So I think it's important to find yourself a group of people that, uh, follow Christ like you to hold you accountable, to hold me accountable. And that's why I think it's important to go to church every Sunday, as many times as you want. And it's less about the uh, building itself. It's more about being a collective of uh, a community of people that are focused on living their life in Christ. We need to hold each other accountable because we're always going to falter. We're always going to be sinners, as he mentioned. You know, we all have uh, these distractions in life. And this world and the devil will love to distract us all day long. If the devil can't beat us, he will try to distract us away from Jesus. And he does it every day. Whether it's through this phone that I'm using right now, or through the internet, or through TV, or through all sorts of different things, he will distract us as much as he can. So Peter gets distracted for a second, and Paul calls him out on it. There's nothing wrong with that. We all need to be held accountable with each other. We all need to be helping our brothers and sisters that kind of go right or left off the path get back on the path, okay? All right, let's go into verse 17. But suppose we seek to be made right with God through faith in Christ, and then we are found guilty because we have abandoned the law. What does that mean Christ has led us to sin? Absolutely not. Rather, I am a sinner. If I rebuild the old system of law, I already tore down. For when I tried to keep the law, it condemned me. So I died to the law. I stopped trying to meet all of its requirements so that I may live for God. Verse 20. My old self has also been... I'm sorry. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself to me. I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless, for I, for if keeping the law could make us right with God, there's no need to die to Christ. Okay, <clears throat> so this is kind of an important summary of Christianity, right? And really the difference between Judaism and Christianity, fundamentally, right, is the fact that how we view our salvation, right? So we view our salvation in Christ. We die, and we live. And Christ lives in us. Through His grace alone, we are saved. 
And what Paul is talking about is, hey, if I falter, go back, and I go back to the laws, and I'm going back to the old scriptures, and I'm trying to earn my way legally to heaven because of the way I act and the laws that I abide by, I'm going to fail. That's not what Christ came to. So, I live in this earthly body. I'm here temporarily. Right? I trust the Son of God. I trust Jesus, who loved me and gave himself for me. I, tr- I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless. I think that's a powerful line in verse 21. Sometimes I think, it goes back to being distracted, we talked about a couple of minutes ago. I think sometimes we, we don't get, we get too focused on our lives and this world. And we, not demean the grace of God, but it becomes just there. And we aren't focused 100% on it. And we don't realize what a gift it is. Sometimes I think about my life and, and the blessings that are in my life and, and the life that I live. And, and we all get frustrated. We all get distracted. We all get scared. But if we just focus on the grace of God and we make sure that it has meaning in our life, <clears throat> and we don't treat it as meaningless, as, as he writes in 21, then everything's going to be okay. That's what God wants. As he, as he sums up, if keeping the law can make us right with God, there's no need for Christ to die. What he's telling the Jewish apostles, of the, uh, uh, as well as the this Church of Galatia here, is, you know, if, if the law absolved us of our sins and saved us and we went to heaven because of the law, there's no reason for Christ to even come down. There's no reason for Jesus to die on the cross. There's no reason for him to sacrifice himself. But he did. So, that not abolishes the law, but it fulfills the law. And there's a lot of confusion on that. Uh, we have a lot of discussions on here and on direct message in different places that we talk about the Old Testament laws and kind of get a tattoo, can I do this, can I do that? Uh, and sometimes we get so focused, and that's just what Paul is talking about. And, and Peter and the apostles even were reverting back to some of the legalistic laws of circumcision and so forth, the, the Jewish laws at the time. And he's correcting them, saying it's not about that. Okay? It's not about that. It's about Jesus and Jesus alone, the grace of God, the salvation that we earn through Jesus Christ. That's it. That's it. Y'all stop with the circumcision discussion. Stop distinguishing whether you're a Jew or a Gentile. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ once we accept Him in our heart and as our Savior. And that is something we all need to focus on. Good word there, Galatians 2. So hopefully you guys uh, read along. If I, As I mentioned well, at the beginning of the broadcast, if you missed any part of this, make sure you go check it out on the podcast or on YouTube. And I'll probably post this. I try to post this on Instagram as well. I did last Friday, and somehow I got taken down. I'm not sure why. Uh, but I was able to download the video and put it on YouTube before that happened. So hopefully that's great. All right. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, put some questions in the bottom, the little question mark. There should be a few things on the bottom of your screen, one being a heart for a badge, if you feel like donating to the ministry, uh, or uh, hit the little question mark, and I'll answer a few questions, and then we'll pray, and that's what we do here on Mondays and Fridays. Hopefully, guys, uh, made this, everything made sense to you guys on that. So let's take a few questions, and we'll uh, we'll get on out of here. Um, all right, uh, how did you become so close to God was the first question that's on there. Um I don't know. You know, it's, uh, I think it's life experiences. I grew up uh, going to a Baptist church. My parents were Sunday school teachers, so we were kind of always there. We go to Sundays, sometimes Wednesdays. Uh, so I was kind of always around uh, the church itself, um, but that didn't necessarily save me, to be honest with you. I still uh, did all sorts of things that I'm not proud of. 
Uh, I did uh, all sorts of things that uh, I'm, I'm, one day I'll have to explain myself to Christ and apologize for, even though I've apologized here in my earthly body. Um, so it didn't necessarily save me. Uh, I, I didn't really get as close as I am now to Christ until I got older. Uh, life circumstances, uh, there was a moment there. We had a couple of different moments in my life that kind of were God moments in my life. Uh, but there was a moment there that I kind of sat back and... and um, I was successful in my career and, and having a big fancy house and doing all these things, and I just kind of looked back and, and didn't, I wasn't happy as much as I should have been. And I realized at that moment that I had uh, kind of deviated away and it wasn't the worldly stuff and God, or it wasn't the worldly stuff and money and the success and all that stuff that was going to fulfill me. It was, it was Jesus, and I knew that all along in my life. Um, but uh, going back to the distractions we talked about, I got distracted. Um, and so there was a moment there that, um, you know, it just really hit me. And, uh, and there's a couple of moments I'll talk about. I'm writing a book right now that I'll mention in the book uh, that uh, will make it a little more clear. But um, after that moment, I started my Twitter account on Living Christian. Uh, I started this and so forth. And um, I just kind of dove in and um, realized that what I was doing wasn't working. And I knew it all along because I would kind of bounce back and forth. I'd be really close to Christ, and then I'd fall away, be really close. Kind of very typical to all of us, I think. And uh, so I wasn't until I was older. I mean, I, I didn't really steadily—my 20s were kind of a, a blur a little bit. Um, once I had kids, and I got married, and we got into church a little more, it just became, um, it became different to me. Um, the message of Jesus became different to me, if that makes sense. Um, it just uh, it hit differently. Um, I think when you're younger, you don't realize it at times, and uh, I didn't. And so now that I'm older, um, it it, uh, it hits different. When I read the, the words in red, they hit differently to me. Uh, so now I just do the best I can. I read the Bible. I pray. I, I record these podcasts. I post on social. I, I go to men's groups. I, I do everything I can to um, get as close as possible because I want to live Christian seven days a week. That's my whole, that's my whole thing out here. All right, cool. Thanks for the question. Uh, if you have any other questions, put them on the bottom question mark and I'm happy to answer them as well. Mm. <clears throat> Why do you think Jews are against Jesus still knowing the truth? Well, they don't necessarily know the truth. Okay. Uh, you have to understand at the time, especially thousands of years ago, um, they were under the illusion, uh, the Jewish people of Israel at the time, they were under the illusion that a Messiah, a Savior, was going to come down from heaven and save them from Rome, predominantly, right? And, and save them from bondage and save them from slavery uh, during the Egyptian stuff. They were always looking for that Savior, that worldly Savior at the time, I think. So that was primarily driven part of that Jewish faith back in the Israelite state, right? So I think, right, the difference is when Jesus came down, he's like, hey, I'm not going to save you from the Roman rule, right? Look on your look on your money. Whose picture's on there? Caesar's. Give to, give to Caesar what Caesar's. Give to the Lord what the Lord's, right? So he, he was a different kind of Savior than I think that they were expecting. Uh, and so that, that kind of caused the rift. They're like, oh, okay, we thought somebody was coming, a mighty warrior was coming to save us from Rome. And meanwhile... You know, this man comes and says he's the Messiah. He says he's the Son of Man, which is the Son of God referenced in, in the book of Daniel. But he's not saving us from Rome. He's telling us to love each other and to follow him and to live a different lifestyle. So I think that caused the, um, the riff a little bit or, or the distinction back then between the, the 
the Jewish people at the time, and then those Jews and those Gentiles that accepted Christ and followed Christ, and that still lives to today, to be honest with you. The Jewish people of today are still waiting for the Messiah to come. Uh, they're still waiting for that person to come to save them uh, from this world. Uh, and that's that's the main distinction, right? That's the main difference, and that's the main issue that they have, that they um, couldn't accept Christ because he wasn't who they thought was going to be here, if that makes sense. So hopefully that made sense to you. All right, uh, let's go with another question here. Um, all right, how can I uh, help my boyfriend to believe in the Bible? He doesn't because he says it's written by man. I guess, you know what? I mean, technically, it's it's breathed by God and handwritten by man. He's right in that sense. <clears throat> I guess he doesn't believe in history books or textbooks in school or anything else that was written by man. Uh, I mean, everything we read, uh, all the history books, he doesn't, you know, every all the literature we have, every textbook we have in school uh, is all written by a man or a woman, for that matter. Um, so that's, I, I hear that kind of... Um, Push back a little bit, uh, and I've heard that before. Even my friends that—that uh, that, that was my dog. Uh, my friends that uh, are, are kind of battling that a little bit, uh, and what's well, been translated so many times, or is written by man, and, and so it's they have to—they don't understand that it is written by man physically, but breathed in by God. This is God's word, and that's what we believe. And even if it was written by man, uh, there's so many connections in this Bible from beginning to the end. You can kind of Google, uh, there's a picture out there, I think Jordan Peterson shared it one time, who's this Canadian professor who's an interesting guy, but he had shared this images one time, and other people have too, of all the connections, like tens of thousands of connections and references in the Bible, all the way from Genesis all the way to Revelation. And there, it was written over so many times, 66 different books written by so many different people across thousands of years, but yet it's all intertwined. It's too complicated, and there's too many things in here to make it just a, a, a frivolous book uh, of, of fiction, okay? So um, my advice to you is to explain to him that that's uh, just because it was physically written by man doesn't necessarily mean it's not true. And, and frankly, people that haven't read the Bible start to finish, or even the New Testament for that matter, they don't understand it. So the best way to believe the Bible is to read the Bible. That's my answer. So if you can get him to read a little bit of the Bible, read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Listen to a podcast. Listen to some, uh, you know, read a, um, some sort of uh, uh, Bible reading plan on, on uh, version. Something. Uh, it, it'll make a believer in anybody. All right, one more question, then we'll get on out of here on this Monday. Um, do, do, do. All right, uh, how do you raise kids knowing Christ and not necessarily force them? Um, force is a strong word. Uh, I think two things, you know, uh, I think two ways that my wife and I have done it. <clears throat> One is we lived by example. Okay. The more often that, um, uh, we go to church, the more often we listen to Christian music and the more often they're going to be doing it. Okay. First and foremost, my kids know that I run this account. They, you know, my, my 17 year old is probably listening to this right now in the other room. Uh, she can hear me talking. So they know that we are a Christian based family. They know what me and my wife believe, period. So we're, we try to be as good of examples as possible and we're leading by example. Okay. Second of all, do you force them to go to school? Force them to go to church then. Not, not to not to be petty on it, but if they're kids, if they're younger kids, 
you know, there's a, their brains aren't fully functional. We have to help them. It's our, it's our goal and our duty as parents to help our children become good, moral citizens in this country, in this world, and in heaven. And part of that is making sure that they understand that Jesus is real and that Christianity is real. And they need to understand that. So it's not necessarily, maybe forcing is the wrong word, but make sure they go to church with you. Include them on things. But you make them do other things. You make them do chores. You make them clean their room. You make them go to school. Make sure they go to church with you. <clears throat> and it's not necessarily about forcing them. You want them to make that decision on their own. But the more they're around it, the more they'll come to their own conclusion and realize what the truth is. I'm a big believer in baptism once a child or a person accepts Jesus on their own, as opposed to, you know, baptizing when they're babies, right? Which I'm, you know, I know they do that in many faiths. Uh, like my older daughter, we were Lutheran at the time, and they were baptized when they were infants. Now, I remember my oldest now was uh, 19, and when she was probably 14 or 15, she wanted to get baptized again because she wanted to make that commitment herself. I did not force that on her. I led her to that. That's the difference, right? You don't force them, you lead them. There's a difference, okay? But you are the parent, not them. Keep that in mind. I think our society in general has forgotten that at times. Who is in charge of the family? And it's not the kids. I'm sorry to say that, but it's not. They may want to act that way. They may want to think that way. They may want to believe that, but it ain't true. So our, I think what a major part of what's wrong with our society nowadays is that um, parents aren't being parents as much as friends anymore. And we need to be parents first, not friends to our kids. So don't force them. Lead them. And don't let them lead your family. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's say a quick prayer and uh, we'll get on out of here. And, uh, and let's, uh, let's bow our heads and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, thank you so much for bringing us together on this beautiful Monday morning. Keep opening our hearts to the book of Galatians as we are not a member of the church of Galatia, but we deal with some of the same problems that that church was dealing with at the time. We love you, and we focus on you, and we want to stay true to you, but sometimes this world brings distractions to us and makes us look and think the wrong ways, Lord. We get distracted by the devil because he knows he can't beat us because you're in our heart, but he wants to distract us every single day. Keep us focused on that. Keep us focused on what you're telling us in, Gal in the book of Galatians. Keep us focused on prayer. Please be with everybody watching this right now as they go through their week. May they, may they be happy, joyful in your love, Lord. When you're in us, we know that that's where peace and love come from. Not from world, not from the worldly things that we can gather in this world, but by having Jesus and the Holy Spirit inside of us. We love you so much. We need you so much. Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. All right, guys. Thanks for joining me today. If you missed any part of this, Check it out on Instagram, but also check it out on the Bible Reading and Coffee Drinking Podcast uh, or YouTube. And uh, you can find all those things on livingchristian.org, which is my website. Talk to you guys soon. Love y'all. See y'all on Wednesday. Or on Friday, I'm sorry. See you guys on Friday. Talk to y'all soon. Bye.